morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the Fancy File Podcast. I am your host, Greg the Scott, and today we have a very excellent podcast lined up for you. Oh, the most excellent, because we have with us today a very important co-host, co-guest, co-star, co-pilot, co-actor. Did he win an award? We don't know. We'll ask him. Mick, how are you? I'm doing well. Did you win an award? Well... I have. What was your... You are the award? Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. You I, have won an award. I have won an award, but it was completely unrelated. But it wasn't for acting? It was for directing. Who? What did you direct? I made a movie in like high school. Oh. And it won prizes. Yeah. And then at the... It was being showed at like a movie theater. And my school sent the wrong tape. And they sent the tape <laughs> of the loser. Oh, no. And because I was the oldest... Among the oldest in that whole contest. Yeah. Our movie was last, so I had to watch every horrible film until mine did not come up. Wow. It was great. Did you learn a lesson? I still won. Yeah. There was a prize of $10 worth of Tim Hortons. Oh, did you use it all? Yeah. Within a a day? Well, I was upset that my movie wasn't being shown, and so I spent it that night. So for those of you who don't know, Tim Hortons is like a Dunkin' Donuts... Yeah. And if you don't know what a Dunkin' Donuts is, well... It's very unfortunate. <laughs> it's a coffee place. You get yeah. coffee, donuts, food. So does working, Dunkin' Donuts have food? I don't know. We used to have does. Dunkin' Donuts, yeah, and then they, they vanished. It was Working Man's Tim Hortons. Okay. And now Tim Hortons is Working Man's Dunkin' Donuts. Fair enough. Uh, Mick, what do you have to tell the audience today? You are loved. Oh, good. All right, there it is. <laughs> Like and subscribe on all our many platforms, specifically the Fancy File Podcast on Facebook. Yeah. Just go on there and like it. And if you have any questions, reach out. I do think stuff's posted on there, but I could be wrong. It's mostly being posted on there. Mostly being posted? Good. Who's in charge of the posting? Guess who it is. I don't know. There's only two of us, so. It's it's me. Probably you. (laughs) Not doing a great job at it, but when I post, I post. You have failed this city. More than once. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so we have been, uh, well, we were going through Revelation, the the letters to the seven churches, and we will still be going through that, but we decided to do a two-parter potentially uh, on corporate or communal prayer or prayer in general. Uh, so if you did not listen to last episode, I would suggest you go listen to that uh, so that this episode will make sense. But yes, it we're talking about prayer uh, and the importance of believers coming together to pray and how encouraging that could be. Uh, well, obviously it would be encouraging. I would hope you're going to a prayer meeting it's not encouraging. That ain't good. Um, so like, let's start off with why do you think that some people would have a hard time with, with communal prayer? Well, personally, I think that they're, how we live our culture now post COVID I think is partially responsible for it. Not that I want to put all the blame on that, you know, like a scapegoat kind of thing, but we live our lives more in a lonely capacity where it's kind of more self-centered, you know, not to put down anyone who works from home or anything like that. But right. There is this idea of we're no longer living as, society or whatever and it's very rare that people will rally together over you know around any cause right um and so 
be being used to uh, not having to see people and not having to get involved into one one another's lives makes it so that perhaps some people are just not interested um, to gather with other people and to whether for prayer or anything else. Um, actually, in Quebec, numbers in churches are actually going up, so that's good. Uh, involvement is Point only out. slightly going up. Oh, is it? Okay. So, so churches are growing, and um, some churches are now at three services, which oh. which is absolutely insane if you know the landscape here being the least, uh, well, the area in the world that has the least amount of evangelical Christians. The whole world? The whole world. Yeah. Are you sure about that? 100%. Because I can think of some countries that might have less than us. Uh, they have more than you think. Okay. And they're probably more devoted as well. And they're probably a lot of them are in jail. Yeah. Not to s- sound funny, but no, no. But like we would, a lot of us would leave church entirely if it meant going to jail. Because of that, yeah. li- right? Like we like comfort, and I think yes. that's another reason it's because we like comfort. Yeah. If you've been used to going to church in your pajamas behind a screen for two years it can be hard to get up on Sunday morning to go and to actually go out there and have to get dressed and get your kids dressed and, and then travel to wherever your church is because now most churches aren't local. They're just somewhere where they could get a building, uh, especially here in Quebec. And so you have to drive there. And so it takes a lot of commitment and dedication to actually even just go out on Sunday morning. And so I think that's why people have a hard time um, gathering going, together for prayer. Going to prayer, yeah. Uh, I want us to read, and we read this in the last episode, but we'll read it again. Acts chapter 2. Uh, and we'll read this, like, verses 42. We'll just read that one verse. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. So I think it's important that for us to look at the book of Acts, look at the example that was set, and we could use multiple verses, because these aren't the only verses that uh, would point to this. But one thing you'll notice in the book of Acts is that this was a praying church. And that's important to look at, because I believe you're seeing an example set for all churches throughout history that we need to be a praying people. Not only individually, because Jesus does say, you know, when you pray, you know, go in your closet. So we know... Not if you pray, but when you pray. But we also see an example of, well, not only should Christians pray alone, but Christians should come and pray together. Especially when we're making decisions as a corporate body regarding the direction we're going to go in. Uh, How are we going to hear from the Lord? Like, we should do this in the community. Or, you know, the church is under attack spiritually. How do we protect against that? Uh, We want to reach out to lost souls. And we're in a world today where there's a lot of confusion. And how do we as Christians respond to that? If we're not in prayer, if we're not being filled with the Spirit, we're not seeking God, we're not empowered to deal with it. We're not ready to deal with it. We're not capable of dealing with it. So then what happens? You compromise. You're just going to give up and go along with it. 
you know, go along with the direction that the world decides to go in. If the world says, you know, there are 45,000 genders, well, okay, sure, why not? I'm not going to question it because I don't have the power to say no because I'm not in prayer. Because I know if I say no, I'm going to get yelled at and I'm going to get canceled and I'm going to get mocked and I might lose my job, you know, and the church is going to have a rough time. So let's just go along, you know, so get rid of prayer, get rid of prayer, get rid of the problem. And unfortunately, you're not getting rid of the problem, making the problem worse, because you do see in, in some situations where in some churches where they've stopped praying and you've seen a great decline in those churches, or you see a great drifting away from biblical truth, sound doctrine, because the Holy Spirit can no longer, we're not hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying and saying, hey, there's something wrong here. So, but like, I don't know about you, but for me, my experiences with corporate prayer has been very good. Like it, going to a Pentecostal church, going to Pentecostal church prayer meetings, wow. Very exciting. It's not, maybe for some people they're thinking, oh man, prayer is boring. My experience with prayer is that it isn't boring. Why? Because you're praying and connecting to the God of the universe. And you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And the Holy Spirit is going to move. And things happen. Like, and, and maybe people get, af you know, they're afraid. They don't like loud noises. Well, do you like going to sporting events? You can get pretty loud there. You know, you'll get some Christians who have no problem screaming and yelling at their favorite sports team, but they can't get a little bit excited for Jesus. That's emotionalism. That's charismatic stuff. You've been possessed by the devil. Well, if that's the case, then every single sporting event is just double-possessed people. How is it that a little emotion is it's the devil? <laughs> it's like, did you not read the book of Acts? Talked about when they prayed and the place was moved in power? I guess not. Oh, I guess that doesn't count. Because Paul didn't write it in one of his epistles, so we can't go along with it. And that's how some Christians feel and think, and I think it's unfortunate. I don't know if you have anything you want to add to that. No, my experience in corporate prayer has been incredible. You know, um, you come expecting and you expecting that God will move ready to serve him through prayer. Right. Cause we're lifting each other up. And I think my biggest, the thing that slowed me down the most from actually attending for some time was that, I felt like I didn't know how to pray. Well, guess what? Right. Guess where I learned how to pray? From people at the prayer meetings. From people at prayer meetings. Uh, not necessarily the Sunday night ones, but I remember pre-service on Sundays. Right. Where I would sit in a a, a room that was ever so shrinking because they kept moving us around. And now we were like in half a closet. But that was the... Well, Jesus did say it when enter your closet. Yeah, exactly. But it was... <laughs> they were trying to be more biblical. Accept it. <laughs> yeah. But it was wonderful because I was with believers who had been at this for 30, 40, 50, 60 years who knew the Lord personally, who knew him well, and were like just praising him and lifting up the needs of the church. And I remember, you know, years ago, and this hasn't happened often, and it's not, I think, over spiritualism or over charismania kind of thing. But like there were times where as we were gathering in prayer, 
I felt led to pray for other people without knowing their situation. And I was praying exactly for their needs. We can't do that if you never see other people. Right. Right. God desires to use us in many capacities, but we can't do that if we are always alone, hidden, never devoted to like lifting other people up. And it's always me, myself and I. Right. It's a poison in the church that people have no love for one another other than spoken. Well, in some places. We don't want to say all of them. No, no. Yeah. But it is an issue in many churches. Yeah. Right? It's it's not just our little world. Not that it's only our little world or that it is. But it's not only your church or whatever. You are not alone in this situation. Yeah, that's a good point. Because if you're not... You know, prayer is vulnerable. And if you're not vulnerable with other people, then your experience at church is just the, the back of the head or the face I see Sunday. If that's all it is, yeah. come in, say hi, smiles, and leave. And you'll hear people often pushing that. Well, that's very important, communion, fellowship. But are you really fellowshipping if you just show up and it's just listen to the sermon and leave? Well, then you're just getting the same thing almost, maybe a little bit more because you're there as if you're watching on online. Because you're not really interacting with people. How can those relationships be built? Some people will just show up and then like they'll show up late so they don't have a chance to talk to anybody. And the minute the service is done, they bolt to the door. Gotta catch that bus. Gotta gotta get gotta go. Gotta get my lunch, you know? And I get it. Hey, food, that's good. But so many churches will have a an area you can go and have snacks and that. And and if you don't, there's a great idea to do that. People like to eat. But what am I saying? Am I am I saying, well, don't go if you're not going to talk to anyone? No, obviously go. But where is the fellowship? Where is that experience? We're talking about being a church family. We talk about intimacy. We talk about something that for a lot of people, they know what that means because they've experienced it with others before, where an entire new group of believers in some cases will be in a scenario in a, in a, in a church culture uh, in some some churches where they don't know what it's like to have that because they don't allow themselves to interact with people. And that's unfortunate. Just be like, if you go to a sporting event, yeah, you're with 20,000 other screaming sports fans or 40,000 or whatever type of, you know, if you go to an NFL game was obviously a lot more 80, 90,000. You don't know these people. You're not talking to them. Yeah. They score high five and then you leave. Well, it's like, you know, in church, shake the neighbor's hand uh, Tell them that they're loved and then sit back down and be quiet. You're not going to grow. You're not going to know that person's life. But prayer, when you go to prayer meeting, there is an intimacy there because you're connecting to God with other believers. We all have the same Holy Spirit. And it allows who needs prayer, who has a request. You, you feel like you get to know that person as they pray and you sense their heart. Like it's on a different level. And... And it's something that I think in some circles is sorely missing and would help them so much. And think of it this way, right? Praying together enriches our personal time of prayer for the sole purpose that we get to now pray specifically for the needs of the people around us. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, I don't know what to pray. I don't know who to pray for. You know, and we get so absorbed in what am I, what do I need, what, you know. But then when you go often to times of communal prayer, prayer evenings, prayer nights, prayer mornings, whatever you want to call them, 
you get to know, oh, wow, I didn't know they they were still hurting from that miscarriage. Right. I, I, I didn't know that their son is wayward and is drifting off and he's just on drugs. I didn't know any of that. Well, now that I, I add that to my list. Now I can pray for the salvation of these people. Now I can pray for healing for these people, you know, and we, we spoke in the last episode, right? Of people who sometimes have a hard time praying more than seven minutes a day or are busy to the point where they can't pray more than that. Well, sometimes it's because you have nothing to say, you know, well, now I have something to say. Right. And it's not about me and my needs that sometimes I'm too, um, too closed in to even reveal to God, even though he knows sometimes I I don't want to reveal certain things to God. It happens even in prayer. Well, now I, I can pray for others, which, with the belief and, and, and faith that they're also praying for me. I'm joining with a body uh, of believers. I think in the last episode, we started talking about, uh, you know, maybe those who struggle with prayer. Uh, and we know it is a struggle. It goes against our nature, right? Like our flesh does not want to do this. It might seem like a waste of time. You know, especially now in a culture where there's so much stuff to entertain, uh, entertain us and numb our minds. That prayer is a totally like now you can't numb your mind. Now you come face to face with reality that there's a problem here and I need to fix it. Uh, so that's definitely many Christians will have a hard time with that on their own. But then praying publicly, that's terrifying. Some people just the thought of talking publicly scares them to death. I think there was once a poll that came out and like like public speaking was like on top of a list even over death and dying of like things that scare people. There's more people out there that are afraid of speaking in the public than dying. There's more people, there's more people afraid to speak at a funeral than to be the one in the casket. Yeah. Okay. How, okay. Putting that aside, how do we overcome that? Well, if you are struggling with prayer, you don't know how to pray. Being around other believers who do teaches you how to pray. Right. Like the disciples asked Jesus, show us how to pray. And what did he do? He, well, he gave them the Lord's Prayer, which is in Matthew 6. Uh, but then he also set an example before them. We know the Lord many times went off and prayed on his own or took the disciples with him to pray. Uh, he, you might say, well, you know, would the Jesus set an example of corporate prayer? Oh, absolutely. And actually, Mick, why don't you read the Lord's Prayer? Because I think there's something in there that I think is very important. Uh, Matthew 6, starting at verse 9. Please. In this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Now, so when Jesus gave this, he didn't give it to one. He gave it to the disciples because they said, teach us to pray. And then in there, you know, it talks about give us this day, not give me. Why didn't he say give me this day? No, give us because we're praying together. We're bringing our needs together. 
even in the Lord's Prayer, the idea is that the church is coming together to pray. And so if we're not coming together to pray, I think we're missing a huge part of the Lord's Prayer that involves community. Community is vital to, to Christian living. You can't be alone. I know there might be some circumstances where Christians, unfortunately, are alone, whether it's through sickness or illness uh, or a living situation. They're really isolated. But outside of that, we're not meant to be alone. I mean, even those people, you know, they should pray that the Lord would open the door for others to come into their lives. Just because they might be in an isolated situation doesn't mean they should do everything to stay that way. But for us, you know, many people, we live near communities where we can go to a church. We can go to a Bible study. We can go somewhere uh, where we're fellowshipping. If we're isolating ourselves, we're doing wrong. You know, some people will quote the verse, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, and think that only applies to Sunday morning. That applies in any situation that involves Christians. The Christians are assembling together. You assemble together to pray. And yet, how many people will forsake that? They won't bother with it because they don't think they need it. And that's why in some places in the world, the church is in a very big, messy situation because we've abandoned prayer corporately. And if you're going to abandon it corporately, odds are at home you've abandoned it probably privately too. It's not where it should be. And so that has to change. And you might ask, well, how do we change it? Well, just start. Just start and start a weekly prayer meeting. Okay, what if hardly anyone shows up? Well, if someone shows up, that's good. Build it up. There's, there's going to be people who are going to be there who are going to want it. I know we talked about last week people are over-churched. Uh, I don't know if that's really the case in many circles now because churches have been really minimized to maybe one or two things a week. Okay, if there's people who can't come, fine. But don't deny people who want to go. And then it starts. You get those people to come together. They pray. They get stronger in prayer. It's going to encourage more people. When believers get on fire, it doesn't scare people away. It brings people in. You get one person in a group on fire, it spreads. It's just like falling away spreads. People start falling away. It's going to encourage everyone else to do it. So is getting on fire. You get someone on fire, people are going to come. But give them the opportunity to come. Because if not, you're going to get believers who will go off on their own. And that could be dangerous. Because then they remove themselves from authority. And they remove themselves from pastoral oversight. Which I believe is important to have leaders you know, speaking into our lives. And, and hey, that encourages believers when leadership shows up and pastors show up, you know. You get to know your pastor. Because I think in some circles, the pastor's kind of seen as like, he's like the president, you can't go near him, you know. And that's not how it should be. He's a shepherd. <laughs> a shepherd should be close to his sheep. And I'm sure you remember this. You remember when uh, Pastor Carl ended up coming to Bible study once? It was like one of the greatest Make sure you explain to everyone so they understand what that means. So we have Bible study. Yeah. Weekly. Yeah. And we've had that for many years now. And um, a pastor of our church, uh, not the main pastor, although the main pastor had came uh, at least once, but uh, Pastor Carl was in charge of small groups at the time. 
And he came on a Thursday night. Um, it wasn't an event. It wasn't a speci- It wasn't anything special, right? Other than he just came. He just came, and it encouraged everybody. It did, yeah. You know, and he spoke about many things that night, and it was good to have. Um, you know, sometimes we have, as a group, if you've been together for many years, like we have, there is this idea of like, well, sometimes the anecdotes and our reference points are always the same. Yeah, same right? stories. Yeah, because we're always growing together, and that's fine, and it's great. But when we have someone new who's also uh, walking in the Lord and who has been doing that for years, you know, he was telling us of stories of of when he was following uh, an interpret, well, not interpreting, but translating for Wilkerson and, you know, spoke well, about what language was it? Was it German? I think it was in German. Yeah. When he was just a teen, he was like our age and he was like following someone we look up to incredibly in ministry. Right. Yeah, David Wilkerson, yeah. Which is mind-blowing. We'd never have known had he never told us. Right. Right? Because he's not a he wasn't a boastful man. No. And so that encouraged us. And the fact that after so many years and so many things that happened in his life, he was still on fire for God. Amen. And I know that made me want to pursue it even more. I like that what you're saying and I think another thing, like, so yes, start prayer groups in your churches. Also, make them open to everybody. Don't, and and not, okay, so I understand there might be certain situations where you might have a morning prayer group and only those who are older go. And that's fine, right? Because a lot of younger people will be working. uh, And older people are typically, they're retired and they have more free time. Never, don't have groups where it's like only older people and the younger people pray together. Okay, for me and for my my brother Mick here, we have been incredibly encouraged by praying with older people. We have learned from them. We have watched them. They've taught us. It has helped us in our walks to become stronger men of God. When you separate the older from the younger, not only one are you doing something that you do not see in Scripture, because the older are to teach the younger, but two... You can have a dangerous problem where the younger people, they're not being taught, right? And so then they can you can have a situation where they go astray a bit. It's important to have that leadership together. Now, I'm not saying if you have a church and it's only younger people and there isn't any older people there, just maybe the dynamic of the church that you're doing wrong. That's not what we're saying. But you might have a situation where churches will try to separate everybody. No, have a corporate communal everyone is welcome come in and pray allow the younger people to learn from the older people and believe me the older people get encouraged when they see younger people there they do it blesses them so it's just a blessing all around so if you're a a pastor and you're listening to this and that's your model maybe think of changing it allowing for everyone to come together to pray It's very exciting. And do you want to add anything to that? You're just staring at me. Sorry, you I'm, should see the look on his face. I'm just entranced. He he is his mind just checked out. He no, had, no, he I'm, had a loss flashback. He went back in time. It's because my <laughs> mind is just going back to all these moments, right? Where I got to sit with um, people who were such great inspirations for me. Uh, in the faith and 
some people I get to be mentored by today, uh, some people whom for, you know, who've mentored me in the past that unselfishly poured into me and, and my friends, you know? Amen. Yeah. Um, you know, people who have like run up on stage at the end of a prayer evening to shake my hand and to tell me that God had something in store for me, even though they didn't know me. And then would spend many weeks and months praying with me and praying for me and coming to youth, well, to events that were led by young people, even though they were open to everyone, it was still led by young people, you know, prayer nights that some people didn't come to because it was led by young people. But they, certain, some of those people did come and prayed with us. Yeah. And that changed everything. Amen, yeah. Because some of those older people were more consistent than some of the young people that were there. And that was a blessing because it's like, no, there are Christians that are always on the money, kind of, so to say, so to speak. They're always ready to worship God. They're in that mindset. And we might say it's easier to do that when you're retired and, you know, don't have all these, like you've lived your life. But you don't just wake up one morning with that kind of devotion. They didn't retire and then suddenly they're now devoted to the Lord. Right. This is a lifetime of work. This is a lifetime of pouring out to the Lord, a lifetime of prayer and study. And it was a blessing that I was even a part, you know, there to see some of it. Yeah. You know, I want to speak to our Pentecostal brothers and sisters. Okay. Even though this applies to everyone, but specifically Pentecostal brothers and sisters. I don't know how many out there are listening to this podcast and you're Pentecostal. But let me ask you this. Do you remember a time in your churches where the church prayed? And I mean prayed often. And that you've the Spirit of God moved. And people were healed. And people were delivered. And people were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Do you remember those moments? Okay. Is that still happening in your churches today? And if it's not, why? I can't answer for every church. I don't know. However... It's time that the Pentecostals, we need to come back to being what we believe in. And we were a church, we were built on prayer. And I think we need to come back to that and be built on prayer again. And again, not just all churches need to be built on prayer. But it breaks my heart to see in many Pentecostal circles how there's been a drifting away from that. And we need to return to that. Enough is enough. We're in a world, it's chaotic out there. Okay, we believe Jesus is coming back soon. Well, I think it's coming. he's coming back sooner than we know. And are we going to be that faithful church seeking the Lord, waiting for his return, or are we going to be too busy and too distracted? Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Life, hey, it's not like starting families is only a 21st century thing. They've had families all throughout history. And they didn't have microwaves and and in fridges, you know, to keep their cool their food cool and make quick dinners. You know, they had to. It took time to make food, and the work that they did back then it was longer. They worked long hours, and you read the stories in the eighteen hundreds and the early night in the twentieth century that believers would still come to pray during the week in a busy life like that. Well, what's our excuse today? Netflix. 
That should be less of an excuse. You can go access that anytime you want. Hmm. It's not like it's 1980s and you can only watch your show when it's at the scheduled time. Hello? Hello? Who am I talking to here? Come on. It's time to wake up. It's time to return to how the Lord has set it out in his word and, and the foundations that were laid in movements return to that. Please, I am speaking. I'm calling you out. It's time to come back. God wants us to come back. God wants that to return because is he angry? No, he loves us and he wants to use us. He wants us to be filled with the spirit and under the power and authority uh, and the anointing of the Lord so that we can be used by him once again and to see what God has in store for his remnant church right before the Lord is about to return. It's Amen. time to come back. Amen. And if your church doesn't do it, well, seek the Lord at home and maybe start meeting with believers on your own free time and start gathering in homes. We don't need to be restricted just by a building that's called a church. And believe me, I want us to go into the building. Okay, we should gather where it's where we meet. But if for whatever reason you're in a building and they're like, no, we're not doing that. Okay. Just go pray with your friends. You know? You're not, God isn't going to be like, I don't want you praying. No, he wants you to pray. It's time to come back. It's time to get filled with the spirit again. It's time to walk under the power and authority of the Lord. And specifically, the North American church. Time to wake up and come back. Because we are so distracted by foolishness. We're so distracted by this person said this and it was on TikTok. And how dare you? And oh, look, they arrested Donald Trump. And we dwell on that for weeks and weeks and weeks. People, there's people dying and going to hell. We don't know what gender is anymore. We're confused. Not we as in the church, but the world. They don't know what that is. They're confused. They're confused about math. Apparently math is racist now. We are in a confused time. You know how that's going to change? An outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Let's get really biblical here. An outpouring of the Holy Ghost, Mick. Amen. Time to wake up. Time to come back. Okay? If you're not Pentecostal, that's okay. Come back too. <laughs> Amen. And if you're doing these things, keep doing it. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Seek the Lord. Gather with other believers. It's time to pray, as Carter Cotton likes to say. Yeah. Do you have any final thoughts on that before we uh, land the plane? I'm excited. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm very excited. Be excited. It's time to get excited. I just want Je to get. I just want to gather with Christians. Jesus and is on pray the more. Exactly. There's no time to waste, and no fears to be held on to. Just have to go for it. Amen. All right, we're going to land the fancy file plane there for now. Uh, I think probably next time we come back, we will be back to the Revelation study. Uh, and maybe I'll be a little calmer. Uh, that's something to look forward to. Uh, so I hope that it was a blessing. Again, I'm not trying to shame anyone. We want to encourage you. Seek the Lord. It's time to pray. Uh, so if you listen to this, hopefully you're stirred up. Let's go. Let's do this. We got we got work to do. We got souls to see saved. We got to work for the Lord. Jesus is coming, Maranatha. I'm your host, Greg the Scott, and I had with me today Mick. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I was waiting me. for you to answer. Well, I thought you were gonna just say my name, but oh, I did. 
I'm sorry. I am Nick. <laughs> Thank you and God bless. 